Hello everybody and welcome. And this is the Midnight McBride show, show number 31. So woohoo, we made it past show 30 and hopefully now we're getting a bit of traction and momentum. The subscribers are going up and yeah, everything's going pretty well. And we've got a new video editor on board at the minute, Mr. Noel Crook. So thank you, Noel. And thanks, Joe, for all your hard work previously as well. So show number 31 and this week we've called the show Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week Warrior. And the reason for that is I've got a very special lady on the show and she's the wife of a good friend of mine, Charlie Thompson, and it is Francesca Palama Thompson. Hello, Francesca. Hi, Patrick. Hi. So you're a personal trainer and a CrossFit champion. I am. And you've been on this Special Forces Hell Week. I have. On the TV. And you've been on the TV, which we'll get to on numerous occasions. Yes. I think you're a little bit addicted to it, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. Possibly. I joked earlier when we did the pre-show chat that you're one of the first guests that when I got the show notes through that really helped me, you know, to put everything together when I prepped for the show that I had to go to Asda and get some more paper because <laughs> we ran out of paper. <laughs> You've done that much. And then apparently you said that you'd missed a lot off as I well. Have, yeah. So it's been <laughs> an interesting journey. One of the most recent things you've done is the Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. Yeah, you were a competitor on that as well. You were I asked was. to go on that show. I was, yes. Yeah. I've never seen the show. I've seen similar shows but i haven't seen yeah. that one yeah but once i knew you were coming on the show obviously i had a, a, a look, look at stuff yeah, and yeah there's lots of pictures of you and yeah you're looking you know phenomenal shape when you're doing those obviously you have to be if you're doing crossfit mm-hmm. as well right where to start so i'll say first of all how i know you and how we got put in touch and that's through charlie now charlie's ex-military himself and a good friend of mine and my brother and my family as well and Charlie has also, he's done special ops, security work, all sorts of stuff, hasn't he? Yeah. But Charlie's always been, always been very nice to me. And he's now a fireman, I believe. He is. And he's, he's a firefighter. And your husband, Dave, as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start at the beginning and we will get to Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. And we'll also get to Total Wipeout. And we'll also get to... What's the one with Dale Winton? Supermarket Suite. Yeah, yes, Supermarket Suite as well. <laughs> and obviously going from Total Wipeout, going into the sort of Champions Programme or the Elite Programme and everything else as well. So you're actually the same age as me, aren't you? I am, yes. 48. Yes. Yay. You didn't have to say 48. Then, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can do. But yeah, so you're a lot older than Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't look it, and obviously you're in oh, you know, you. great shape and everything as well. You know, you're, being physically fit is your profession. It's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you're known for as that's well. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So we'll start your journey at the beginning. I've talked enough now. I, I, okay. I do this at the beginning of the show. But yeah. 1972, so where did you pop out? Well, not with Nike and Adidas, but they were founded in that year as well, <laughs> uh, funnily enough. But, yeah, I was born in the Forest of Dean in a small town called Lydney. Right. So very strangely. Yeah. As my father's Italian. Well, I was going to say, and your name, obviously Francesca's, from my experience, an Italian name. That's it. Yeah. And then I'm assuming that Palama was your name before you married Charlie. Charlie, yes. So that's why you've kept the Palama as well. I kept it. I'll tell you why, Patrick. This is how sad I am. Um, Francesca Palama, uh, 
with the Thompson on the end, what my initials are, are FPT. Yes. And I am a PT. <laughs> so I thought well, that works really well for me. So I'll just keep that. I know that because in the show notes, I abbreviate, I put people's initials. So that popped up straight away for me. I thought, oh, that's, that's handy as well. So Francesca, you're not an only child. You've got a couple of brothers. I have. Yeah. Are they... I don't swear often on the show, but I'm going to now. Are they also tough motherfuckers? No. <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know where I got that gene from, to be yeah. honest. Um, my older brother, I'm the, I'm the middle child, so I'm yeah. the one that's uh, neglected in the middle there. It's fair to say, you're a hardcore mother, aren't you, really? Yeah. You know. I try to be. I try to be. I try to keep, I, I think, this is my mentality in life, is that I can do everything. Yeah. And I try to do anything. And then when I can't do it, I'm shocked that I can't do it. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much how I live my life. I found, for example, before I started teaching meditation a few years ago, I couldn't speak in public. You know, I was terrified. I got really bad nerves. I couldn't be in front of a camera or any of those things. And so I knew that was what I was going to have to do. I had to conquer that. And then when I did the Ironman, I was terrible at running. So then, of course, I did ultra running and what I do is I find the thing that I find most difficult or the thing that I'm least good at and that's what I focus on I don't really pick the stuff that I'm amazing at which if there is any of those things and then push that forward what I do is I look at the weak links and I try and pick myself up in those areas absolutely you know. work the weaknesses that's yeah. what I would say and I find as well which we talked about in the pre-show chat that failure is the greatest teacher or it, it's not really failure, but trying to do something and maybe not achieving the desired outcome and then learning from that. Because I know from running experience, I did lots of races, but then the first race I never completed, which was the second 100 mile race I did, and I only got 50 miles in and knew that if I'd finished it, I would have had a very bad injury. Yeah. That, I was devastated. Yeah. You know. And Absolutely. Going through your life, which we're going to follow that journey now before we come into the present moment, is the fact that you're resilient, that yeah. you don't give up, that you keep moving forward, which is the title of my second book, by the way. It's Fantastic. moving forward, learning how to glide. Amazing. Yeah. I like that. And as you're growing up, you, your father wasn't in the picture from about the age of eight, Francesca. No. 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 He, um, yeah, my mum and my dad got divorced when I was about eight years old. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was living in the Forest of Dean. So I ended up being what I would say was more of a feral child, really. I lived yeah. in the woods with my brothers playing rope swings and things like That's that. That's how it and should be. That's it was. It should be. I think so. I'm iPads glad I did that. Bin, phones in the bin. It should be playing. Correct. We didn't have yeah. anything. We didn't have anything really um, growing up. So we just did make our own entertainment, yeah. uh, good or bad sometimes, unfortunately. But I think it put me in good stead yeah. for the future. I mean, as a child, if you can be around nature, in nature, playing out, doing something physical. Because this is another thing as well. You see, obviously, there's a lot of kids now that are having a lot of fast food on their iPads all the time and can be obese as well, these children. And that doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be like that. No. You know, I, I remember as a kid, from the second I woke up till the second I went to bed, I wanted to play out. Outside, yeah. Yeah, outside, all the time. That's right. You know. that, that led to... That led to me being really fit because I lived in a village where all my family lived. So it would be run to your nans, run to your aunties, tell her this, get that, yeah. go to the shop. So I think that was where my sporting sort of background started and kicked off at the start. But uh, 
playing out was probably one of, one of the things that caused me to have quite a lot of bullying at a young age, actually. I was outside and getting a suntan, and yeah. I was probably one of the most tanned kids, I suppose, in the village, really, because uh, I was Italian and everyone yeah. else was, you know, it was like it was a very rural village. You probably naturally have darker skin, olive skin. And yeah. then if you're outside all the time as well, that compounds that. And Correct. Yeah, bullying. My partner, Willow, was badly bullied at school. Sandy Holt was badly bullied at school. And he's a Thai boxing European champion, multiple champion, who's been on the show. And Colin Unsworth, Mr. Mushroom, who did a show with me. We filmed it naked, by the way. I don't know if you've <laughs> had the pleasure of seeing <laughs> right. that one yet. Okay. Uh, but he's a mushroom forager, but he's also a nudist. So we, I said, how can I can write about all this stuff and saying that, you know, it shouldn't matter what you look like outside and what other people think shouldn't matter. But if I can't sit here naked, doesn't mean I think I look great because I don't. What it means is I'm comfortable with me. Yeah. And if I can't do that, then everything I've done so far is for nothing. Mm -hmm. So I did it to really, to make a point, you know, and I thought it was important to do that. But he was bullied as well. And he spent a lot of time in the forest, and that's when he became like a foraging and mushroom expert. Oh, right. You know, and a naturist. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a problem that, although we're aware of it now, it's still going on at schools, and kids, unfortunately, mimic what they see. And I think a lot of kids who do bully aren't necessarily bad kids, but have experienced themselves with being bullied. I agree. Hundred no. percent, absolutely, t totally. Yeah, I mean, kids who swear—they don't make the swear words up. You know, they—they've heard somebody they've swear. They've heard it somewhere. Yeah. You know, kids, kids copy the people they look up to, and of course they do. Idols, don't they? So That's it. You always wanted to be an actress and a dancer. Yeah. Yeah, that was your calling, theatrical, maybe. Really, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why. I just—I've I've always felt like that since I was a kid. So yeah. I was always off to school singing or doing something on the way there. Or yeah. I always wanted to perform. I was making little shows up and things like that and yeah. sh showing them to my, my auntie. Did you do any stage growing up? Did you, you know? I did drama at school. Yes. I loved it. I loved my drama teacher. I absolutely adored my drama teacher, Mrs. Johnson. Um, it's the only one that I actually went to. I actually bunked off a lot of the other lessons. But if it yeah. was anything, it was sports, art, drama and maths, funnily. Um, I really enjoyed maths, but I think that was to do with the teacher, Mrs. Richards, who's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful maths teacher at school. So I actually enjoyed my, my junior school. I had a maths teacher at school called Mr. Reese, although I went to a lot of schools. I've been to seven schools, six schools, but he was a, a great guy. I've seen him actually a couple of years ago in Tesco car park and give oh, him a lovely, copy of my book. And, lovely. Um, he... I think I was gifted in that area anyway with maths because I did some exams early. You know, I did my O-level when I was 14 and I did uh, my AS level when I was 15 and did some exams early. And I liked him and he was nice to me. Yeah. And so I learned. That's right. You know. So you sound yeah. the opposite to me. You did some exams early and yes. I didn't do any exams pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to go to school. I wasn't academic. Um no. I was being bullied at school and, and at the time, the deputy heads, their decision was that I didn't have to go in unless it was yeah. for a lesson that I enjoyed. So I didn't. I only went in for two lessons. Yeah. Um, it's so, quite yeah. sad because you sort of lost out in a way. But I mean, 
we say that that's part of your schooling, looking at you now and your yeah. life now, you haven't lost anything. No, I think it was a good thing. It was a, it was in my, uh, because I wouldn't have followed the path that I followed. So I always yeah. feel like those things change a path. So it's probably was meant to be in a really strange way, but I'll never know. Yeah. Well, this is a really good point and we'll, we'll touch on it again later as well, that sometimes life sends you in the direction that you don't think you want to go in. And I had a nervous breakdown. And I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened in the end of the world and I didn't go outside. But I look back now and a few years down the line, because I talk openly as well, I took a lot of drugs, partied all the time. If I didn't have the nervous breakdown, I'd probably be dead. You know, it saved my life. And mm-hmm. now I see it as a positive thing mm-hmm. and it made me reevaluate everything, everything. But at the time, it was the end of the world. And for example, although you're a you know multiple CrossFit champion, when you were trying to get to the CrossFit world championship the games and on that attempt you know you didn't make it you ended up going on the tv program and because you're on there after shortly afterwards you met charlie and so probably some of the things that happened at the time are pivotal in bringing you to this present moment absolutely and i really firmly believe that everything that happens that's the reason behind it so you know it can change your path and uh i think it's exciting when things change your path in the past i've felt disappointed or upset about things when it changes your path but uh, I yeah. think as I'm getting older I, I don't have such disappointment anymore because no. I, th- I think oh this is exciting I'm going to do something else now so it's just I look at it in a different way a different perspective yeah. on it really I've learned to I'll have a predetermined uh, goal where I'm where I think I'm heading and I'll set off in that direction and then things will change and you've got to be flexible and you've got to be able to reassess and then pick a new direction and if you're swimming upstream all the time against the current mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of energy and you're getting nowhere and that's because you've got resistance if you're swimming downstream with the current that's sort of let life flow and just going with things you can be sculling barely moving and doing 20 miles an hour so Quite often, you just have to accept what is and then look at the best outcome from that and be willing to accept change, you know. Yeah, and I've always been willing to accept change, I think. I yeah. think that's one of the things that I do well is I try, I just adapt with the change. Yeah. And I think that's a, probably a growing up thing with with my situation as a child. And I think it's really good as well, change. It's very healthy to do new stuff. And I always say you've got to try the 10 to find the two. If you're looking to find something that's going to make you happy or something that's going to work for you, if you don't try new stuff, they're not all going to work for you. But if you don't try the new stuff, you'll never find the ones that do. Yeah, exactly. you've, You've got the doors got to stay open. Don't think you know everything. You've got to be prepared to do new stuff and experience. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been married before, Francesca. Yes. Yeah, my daughter was born when I was 20, when she, when I was twenty five. So mm. yeah, I had my daughter, my first daughter, well, my only daughter. Um, I'll come on to that later though. Yeah, um, yeah I had my daughter at twenty five, and I was married um, to her dad for quite a while. And, yeah, yeah. And what's your daughter called? Alicia. And she is now how old? She's twenty two. Oh. I know. <laughs> She's so cute. What does she do? What's your daughter do? (laughs) Um, Well, she just finished doing a a degree in dance. So she did a degree in dance. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Uh, She studied a bit of aerial, a bit of hoop, some silks, and and mostly dance, obviously, throughout it. Are uh, are these the cool, some silks? Is that like 
Are they ballet shoes or something? Or don't... Yeah, the, the silks that hang from the ceiling and yeah. you can twizzle oh, down. Oh, you swirl, right, okay. Yeah, those, yeah. and they're called bungee. I think they do bungee as well, but I don't think she did that. But they attach to bungee cords. And I think if I could have done a degree... Yeah, I'd have been at school yeah, all the time yeah. if I could have done a degree I, in sports. I know what we're going to do. We're going to do loads of cool shit and we're going to bungee and spin and, and everything. And you're going to get a And we'll degree. call it a degree. Correct. <laughs> I'd have been there. I would have never have been at Skyving Off or going down the rugby pitch. So, uh, yeah, so it's uh, she's just done that. And uh, then after she finished, she went and did a personal training qualification right. and into an intensive course and did that. Um, but she's very much, she's very, really, really flexible. She's into a yeah. yoga. She likes all that sort of thing. So. so she's followed your footsteps in a way? In a way. She's not, she's not into the CrossFit. No. I didn't think she would be, but I don't want her to be. I wanted to no. find her own way and I be her own person. Singing or playing an instrument or dancing as a profession or doing something you love, following your Dharma and what, you know, in Buddhism they call your Dharma, following your heart and something you're passionate about and getting paid for it, that. That's living your life. You've lived life then. Yeah. That's what I've been doing for the last 30 years, yeah. pretty much. Well, I I did what I had to do to get paid and I hated it and I felt like I was dying, mm-hmm. you know, inside. Yeah. And now I do stuff I don't get paid for and I love it. Correct. <laughs> so I've not figured it out yet. But no, I know. Um, I keep moving forward. Exactly. You find a happy medium. I've always said that. I've I've literally always said I've never worked a day in my life as soon as I found what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and... Luckily, I've made an okay living at it. Um, I've not made millions, but I've made a good living at it and I've enjoyed it and I still enjoy it even now. And I've been doing it for 30 years. So um, there must be something there. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I absolutely agree. I mean, I've got nothing, right? And with nothing, I've got nothing. But I am very passionate about most of the things I do in my life and I'm the happiest I've ever been. So... I see that as success and it's it's not monetary mm-hmm. at all, but um, I'm loving my life, you know. That's so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this I found quite interesting, Francesca. You were originally a, and I know I shouldn't use this term probably, but I'm going to, and I, I'm just using it in jest, but a trolley dolly. I knew you were going to say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I was a trolley dolly. Yeah. Can you believe it? Uh, well, this is. And Can you believe it? No, it seems bizarre. Patrick, you, you won't believe. believe further away from where you are that was the furthest away i've ever been from who i am now i used to smoke yeah i did i did smoke because i used to get cheap fags on the flights that's a good reason on the flights we used to get cheap fags i used to smoke a lot because we could get them for cheap it was duty free um but i didn't think i would last very long and i didn't because it's a very small area to be in yeah and i'm very active yeah so i get very after a plane, if I get past three or four hours, I start getting a bit anxious. I'm yeah. confined. Yeah. And I'm not good with that. No. no. Well, I'm not either. No. And we used to be able to smoke on board then as well. So can you imagine? Can How you long ago is that? That's in it, the 1940s, isn't I it? I know. I was 20. We're talking 92 here. Yeah. So 92, you could smoke in cinemas and on planes and that was awful. Oh, wow. So if you think about that, it's a different world now. Yeah. But that's as far... I always say to my clients, they say, oh... I smoke and I say, mm. I used to smoke and they're so shocked. Yeah. But I love saying that I used to do it and then I stopped mm. um, because I did just stop. I just decided I'm not going to smoke anymore. Yeah. And that's it. I, I read the book for, by Alan Carr, uh, Alan Carr's Easy Way. Yeah. And this book, they reckon 70% of people who read it and finish it never smoke again. 
uh, it's very effective. He's a psychologist and he reprograms the way your brain works and the thought patterns and the synapses in your brain, how you think about cigarettes and smoking. Very yeah. clever. Yeah. And at the end of the book, the thing is a lot of people read it and they don't want to read the last chapter because they know they can't smoke after that. So right. a lot of people get to the last chapter and don't finish it. But if you finish the book, yeah. at the end of the book, you put your cigarette out and done. that was it. I was done. No patches, nothing. I was just done. That's it. Yeah. So, Francesca, let's talk about your first time on TV. So you pitched Ooh. in with Supermarket Sweep. Yes. How did you get on? What happened? Well... We went on because my boss at the time was getting married and she had her eyes on this fancy wedding dress, if I can remember this rightly, because it was a long time ago, as you can imagine it yeah. was. I think it was 97. So this is where you run up and down the aisles with a trolley? Yeah, it's back and, now. And, it's back now with oh, Ryland. Ryland's brought it back. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's back with Ryland. Poor old Dale passed away, obviously. And he's such I didn't a, know that. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't watch telly, you see, so I have no oh, idea what's I going on I heard about Dale world. passing away and I was devastated. So oh. I got a nice picture on the wall from Dale with a signature on, obviously, yeah. when I met him. But yeah, we went there to get the money. And I'm always one for cheating if I can. <laughs> so I was in the supermarket, the fake supermarket, yeah. with the things on the shelves that you can't actually pick up, yeah. which no one knows about. And uh, I knew, I went for a, a quick wee in the break. And I saw them stashing the cash in the supermarket. So I knew where it was. It was just a question of getting to it. Yeah. So I thought, I know where that money is. Uh, but we didn't get the questions. So we couldn't get to the money. Oh, no. And I did get penalised as well by Dale because I picked up two inflatable bouncy bonuses and you're only allowed one on the show. Right. So I, I, I opted for the banana. <laughs> right. And okay. it was our downfall. You've just actually made me want to watch Supermarket Sweet now, <laughs> haven't you? Um, yes, never, Dale. Never, yes, never, Dale, used yeah. to say. So at this point, Francesca, now, this is when you, you started to teach and be a personal trainer. Is that right? So this is yeah. the start of... Yeah, journey. my daughter was born and I was working for a, a chain of uh, retailers, Topshop, Dorothy Perkins, Top, Top Man, all those Burtons. And I was I was in that business and it was a long day. And I went back to work after having my daughter really quickly and uh, quickly realised that I couldn't exercise and go to work and look after my daughter correctly. So I was in a quandary because I love obviously exercising. So I decided to give up my job and make that my career. So your job at this point wasn't being an air hostess, you were actually in fashion... I left the airline after just over a year. So it didn't last long, like I said, I wouldn't. Um, And yeah, I moved into fashion and, and, and I'm, I love, I love being amongst customers. So I quickly went up the ranks in, in the world of fashion. I suppose with doing what you do now, you have to be a people person, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I want to help people and and I'm always quite helpful to people. So I was quite fast up and down those stairs as well, getting those clothes. So Francesca, then your life got possibly a little bit more complicated and your hands were already full. You've got your daughter, um, but then your brother's partner passed away. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you took on board for a year, her son. Yeah, about a year or just a little bit over maybe, Derry. So he was six months old then. My daughter was right. two, I think. So I had two under two right. all of a sudden. I, in my mind, I imagined him being, a, you know, a few years older at top, but he was a bit... Yeah, six months, yeah. So um, quite hard work and a big shock and a big change, so... How did you manage? Because if you, you're well, working as well... It... it was difficult. It was really tricky. I think that's what 
pushed me slightly over the edge a little bit. So uh, that that's where things again changed and a different path got taken. So uh, it did it did it did change all of our lives at that point. And my daughter, uh, Els, who was always fine prior to that, she got a little bit clingy, yeah, because uh, she wasn't uh, you know ready for a, a baby to arrive. So, but now I mean she's twenty two now, and and Derry's fantastic. He's He's 20. He's in his yeah. last year at university. Unfortunately, he's missed the last few months. But of course, yeah. Yeah, he's back now. So, yeah, he's studying accountancy of all things. So, but he's right. very, very sporty as well. Very sporty. If your daughter's a dancer as well, the, yeah. this athletic gene is in, yeah. the, in he's the gene a, pool, isn't he's it? He's a very good football player. Yeah. And then did you, you move location then? So you left the Forest of Dean, is that right? Yeah. So yeah. you've moved away from the Forest of Dean at that point. I think we needed something fresh and new and a new sort of yeah. surrounding. So we moved to, and my husband at the time, um, he got made redundant from his uh, job at Rank Xerox, which is in the Forest of Dean. So we, he moved then and we went up to Birmingham. So we ended up working for Virgin, I think, in Birmingham. Yeah. So we ended up in Bromsgrove. It's just on the outskirts of Birmingham. Yeah. So we were there for quite a while and I ended up opening a gym there. Uh, so, yeah. So that's where I had CrossFit Worcestershire right. originally, and right. we, we started a, a, my own business. So you went back to college and got a degree. Was that before you opened the gym? Yes. yes. So I, I worked, I went to Bromsgrove, and they were opening a brand new health club there, David Lloyd at the time. Yeah. So I went working there. Yeah. And uh, full of lots of people that wanted to play tennis and yeah, have a nice a- social life and you know I, I I loved it there at the time and uh, I was really busy with clients I was fully booked personal training and teaching classes and super fit I thought I yeah. thought I was super fit and my daughter loved it there so yeah we, we settled in quite nicely but one one or two of my clients they they said one was a businessman that I used to train and he yeah. said do me a favor I want you to leave here. I want you to go back to university because I told him that I'd never had any qualifications and I left yeah. school really young, at 14, pretty much. Yeah. Um, he says, get a stone in weight off me by the time I go on holiday in about two months' time and I'll give you five grand. What? So I said, you're on. Shake your hand. This sounds like indecent proposal yeah, or something. No. no, he was a great guy. I trained him for a long time at that point. So I did my usual. I made his breakfast and I made his lunch and I met him every morning at the gym and trained him and yeah. weighed and measured him at the end of the period of time that he'd given me and he'd lost his weight. See, do you know what's funny there? I thought you meant he said you had to lose a stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I got the wrong end of the stick. Yeah, so, he's, so he'd lost his weight Yeah, and then he got back from his holiday and then he gave me a phone call and he gave me a five grand check and he went, do, go go and do something with this, please. What a nice chap. Amazing. I've never seen him yeah. since. Never seen him since. That's a nice um, story, that. It is. And I've got another client that I was training, and she also was a teacher. And she had two yeah. daughters that are really, really clever girls. And she was desperate for me to do a degree. And I said, I don't think I'll get into university because I've not got the qualifications to get in. Mm. And she said, try. So I did. And they said, come in for an interview. And we'll have a little chat with you and we'll see. So I went for my interview and they let me in on vocational qualifications and the fact I was so keen to get yes. in there. So that was my embarking on a three-year degree at Birmingham UCB. See, this is 
perhaps the story of your life where you've maybe, you know, there's rules in place and things that you need and criteria and you've just done it anyway, you know, because of your mindset. I was the first person in my family to get a degree, first female and the first person. And uh, that was made me really proud because my, my nana, yeah, she was, uh, uh, she had eight children and she was the cleverest woman I've ever met. And yeah. she used to do so much for our village. But obviously in that era, yeah. she she went to she went to school and everything, but it wasn't really the thing. It was just that she just had children and that's what she did. But she was so, so clever. And I used to absolutely adore her. And I think that's why yeah. I was just driven to do something academic. And you got a 2-1 as well. I know, not bad. That's very good. I had, a ch- I, had an, I had to look after my daughter and I was still working at David Lloyd at that point. Yeah. So I wasn't going to give my job up until I'd got the degree. And I got the degree and then three months later... I opened my first injury clinic and I left David Lloyd. So what was your degree in? It was in sports therapy. Right. Yeah. You then, you're doing the therapy and personal training at the same time, is it, at this point? Yeah. So we had a little personal, well, the reason I actually embarked on the the, the sports therapy degree was because I got injured and I was always getting injured. I had had all sorts of injuries from doing loads of sport and teaching lots of classes and things like that. But I got punched in the leg in a, British free fighting session that I was doing with a personal trainer of mine. Um, so I wanted to learn something different. Yeah. So he sort of went, let's teach you British free fighting, which is basically, there's no rules really. It's, yeah, a, bit, like, like a, bit like, it's a bit like MMA, yeah, yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. So we were doing a bit of that. And I went to kick him, and as you do. And he went to punch me and he punched me in the side of the leg and caused a lateral compartment syndrome. Which is... It's where the muscle ruptures inside its fascial sheath and yeah. it bleeds. So and your leg goes black then, doesn't it? Is that it right? It can do if you don't completely immobilise it. Or yeah. sometimes they have to cut open the fascial sheath to let the blood out um, yeah. just to release it, the pressure. I've torn muscles before, ripped them in half and, and my leg just, and one of my legs and it just went black because yeah. it was bleeding inside. But this is like a hemorrhage of yeah. the, inside the muscle. So um, if you think of a piece of garlic being cut across ways... That's your calf, and it's yeah. one of those. It's just got blood flow inside it, but it can't expand like a sausage skin. Yeah. Almost wants to split. So, um, so yeah. So that's what I got. So I had to go on crutches for six months, and I was back and forth to the GPs. No one seemed to be able to diagnose it, and I suppose everyone wants to have a diagnosis of what's wrong. I suppose though, if you've got this injury and you're being a personal trainer and a you therapist, couldn't, I couldn't you work, couldn't do anything. Correct. So, and it's my life. I love it, and I was just heartbroken not being able to train so yeah. I the whole point of going there was so that if I ever got in that situation again I could fix myself and that's that's how my mind worked I thought I need to know the knowledge so if I get injured I can fix me yeah or or not get injured then because you're or not yeah. get injured then yeah. yeah but if it was a traumatic injury like that was which was a just a fluky punch to the, my leg yeah I think because I trained so hard my leg was already um under, under dress and he yeah. just happened to hit it in the right place for it to send it over the yeah. edge. I, I've seen people fall out of windows and be fine. And I've seen somebody else fall off a curb and break the leg. It's, I fell 20 feet off a ladder at the gym that I opened, painting the wall in the middle of the night. And I went up a ladder and I didn't Because that's I didn't what you do. <laughs> I didn't put the ladder in the middle of the night. So I, the, the ladder slipped and I face planted the floor. I didn't spill the paint. 
I held yeah. it. Um, Respect. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't injure myself on one jot, and I think that's down to doing CrossFit because I was I was protected. Mm. My muscles were protecting my bones. So yeah, I think also like I used to do a lot of MMA, and you get used to getting thrown all over the place and falling, and you learn how to sort of. Fall well, if I you I did will. that when I was a kid with the two brothers. Yeah. I learned to fall well. <laughs> so then you opened your, your larger facility, and this is when the, the CrossFit entered yeah. the world. Yeah, the smaller facility was was great, but then I suddenly came across CrossFit. Um, I started working with a, a Royal Marine who came to work for me. He wanted to yeah. come out of the Marines, and I wrote him a letter saying, if you let him out, I'll give him a job. And he went into Civvy Street and started working with me. Um, and he, he went, oh, look at this. It's a bit quite hard. This I went, is the CrossFit. The CrossFit. Yeah. I said, let's have a little go at it. So I, the first workout we ever did together was called Fight Gone Bad. And uh, we did it. And I thought, that's quite tough. Because I, again, I'm going back to what I thought I was, the f- really fit at yeah. that point. I thought, I'm super fit. But you always think that. And then you can get fitter. Uh, yeah. And then you get a rude awakening. And that was my, that was the second rude awakening I got. Because I was like, oh, I'm not... I'm not as good at this. So that's what drives me. So yeah. I then found CrossFit and I thought I'll go to a course. And mm. that's what happened. I went down to London and did my CrossFit course and it just opened up my eyes to a, another tr- form of training. Yeah. Maybe tell us, because I know you've obviously been a champion, in which we'll get to, and in lots of different countries as well. But mm. CrossFit, tell people what it is. Uh, really, it's just exercise. I keep saying this to people. It's PE for adults. Mm. Uh, so you, it's, it's a combination of... Uh, let, I'll regret this. I'll regret it slightly. As a child, I wanted to be a decathlete or a heptathlete, I suppose it would be, because it's for females. Yes. But I wanted to be a decathlete, actually, because Daley Thompson was the yeah, person was that awesome. inspired me. Yeah. So I wanted to be Daley Thompson as a, a young girl, which is strange. That was the closest thing. I never obviously got to do it. My family didn't have the money to fund anything like that for me. But when I got older and I saw CrossFit, I thought, this is my chance to be Daley Thompson. <laughs> and that's yeah. what it is. It's Olympic lifting mixed with gymnastics, yeah. mixed, with, mixed with endurance training. Yeah. And it's, it's almost try, trying to be good at everything. And you don't know what you're going to be asked to do. And I love that because I, I love the not knowing. I've seen the CrossFit World Games and everybody rocks up and they say, right, you're swimming this morning. Oh, you're doing this. Are you doing? And you, you have to prepare for everything because you could be given anything. Correct. And that's yeah. what you have to train for as that's well. That's a proper and challenge. That's the challenge. Yeah. That's the challenge. So it's not necessarily that it's, it, you know, that, that would inspire anyone I think well it would mm. for me anyway I'd look just want to be challenged that's what I want I want yeah. to be challenged and I want the not knowing and when we use I mean I turned up in Paris and we'll get to that I'm sure but I remember when going to go into Paris and they got all the athletes in the arena for the first day and they told you on the first day the workouts and everyone was like oh my goodness this is the workout this is what it's going to be and the chatter that went on and then it it moved away from that slightly where they started releasing the workouts before so you could practice them and then that became less of a challenge for me yeah. and and that's what the way it went but this, this is good you see because I've talked about a challenge before a challenge for me is something where it's the unknown and I could potentially fail so if I've done Ironman 
Yeah. And then I go back and I do it again. I only ever did it once and then I moved on to something else. Yeah. And if I go back and do Ironman again and again, and I'm just trying to shave a bit off my time. And improve, that's not a challenge because I'm pretty confident I'm going to finish it. Of course. You're polishing something. Of course. What I want to do is I'm going to set off, I'm going to run the next big race I'd like to do is the Ultra Great Britain, 215 miles, which is the next step up from 100. Right. And if I run that, I really don't know if I'm going to finish it. And then when you're running, you go through all the head games and you're thinking, what have I done? Oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself. Oh my God, I'm never going to do it and all that. And, and A hundred percent. It's that journey. A true Absolutely. challenge is where failure is a real possibility. Absolutely. You know, and that's why I think... Testing yourself, pushing yourself to the limit. Correct. And that's why I think that it keeps you involved because really all the workouts should be constantly changing. Yeah. There are some benchmark workouts and they're the ones that people sort of go, right, how fast can I do it? And then they yeah. can redo it and redo it and redo it. I'm just not a fan of that. No. I'm a fan of turning up, this is the workout, do it and see what happens. Suck it yeah. and see, basically. And it's just... Who's the best on the day? On the day, whatever. on the day. I watched, when I watched the CrossFit World Games, there's a couple of good documentaries about it as yeah. well. And... What it seemed to be is at the beginning of the competition, the workouts were completely sporadic and random. At the end, they generally get down to very similar workouts and they finish in the stadium. But yeah. a lot of the stuff early on is running up and down yeah. hills and swimming in the sea yeah. and all this kind of thing. Yeah. That's the bit I love. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Absolutely. It used to be the, the unknown and the unknowable. Yeah. And that was the way it used to be. And it was, it was, it was great. You know, I'm not taking yeah. away from it. It's still a fantastic sport, but yeah. I just found that was little, that just gave it that little edge. So we'll talk about TV number two now. Huh? And I don't know if this is before, I, I think it's before you actually were doing competitive CrossFit. So you're, you're doing CrossFit, but then you go on to Wipeout. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm right in the middle of finding my feet with CrossFit. And I've seen Wipeout on the BBC and I think this is one where they have an obstacle course and they've got stuff knocking yeah, over. So and... This is, the, again, this is going back to this classic for me again. Uh, we wanted to put a boxing ring into our gym, a full-size boxing ring. And I'd run out of money at that point, so I'd used everything I had to, to fund this gym and I'd remortgage yeah. my house. Yeah. And then we wanted to put a boxing ring in. So we went, right, are we going to do that? And I went, I know. I'll win 10 grand on Total Wipeout and we'll pay for one. And they yeah. went, you're never going to get on that. And I was like, of course I'm going to get on it. So of course <laughs> yes. I got on it yes. uh, and flew off to Argentina, um, which my daughter was like, no mum, because she was in her mid-teens at that yeah. point. So, so um, they don't hold it here then? It's filmed in Buenos Aires in Argentina. I didn't know that. Yep. So off I went to get my, to get my 10 grand and I met some amazing people on the show. And I sat up all night with a girl called Kelly watching videos of people that had done a really good run and yeah. they used to show it used to be the same run to start and uh at that point i think people were jumping onto the big red bulls people all know about those yeah and they're jumping and lying down or falling off obviously and a producer came in they separate separated us all into separate tents and you didn't get a go on the on the course you just went no practice no practice get up on that get up on that ramp say this they'll tell you what to say say this slogan Three, two, one, blur, off you go, yeah. and, and that's it. At the beginning, everybody says, I'm such a body and I'm doing oh. whatever. And what did I say? I don't know. Come on. It ain't how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit. Rocky. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I was going there for a boxing <laughs> ring, so. Of course, Correct. Yeah. So I said that and off I went. And uh, 
they'd done a few dodgy things, you know, on the course, and I know they did do it, but they used to take rungs out of ladders and put extra bit of fairy in the water to make it extra slippy. I think that's why no practice, because it'd be no fun if everybody finished it. People doing it green, even if you're really fit and, and, and good, if you, if you haven't been able to attempt the course prior, you're going to fall. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so went on there. And I thought, you know what, the producer came into the tent. He said, what are you going to do, Palama, on this uh, course then? And I said, well, I think what I'll do is I'll jump and I'll stick on the ball and then I'll stand up, steady myself and jump and stick. Because that seems to be the way that gets across. And he said, yeah, but that's not the way that gets the airtime. And I had my well-fit T-shirt on, obviously, to try and promote my gym at the time. And it was on the BBC, so they didn't let you do any advertising. So I thought that's the best way, well-fit Fran. Uh, put the t-shirt on. So I thought, I'll try and copy this guy that just ran across the balls at speed. And did you do it? And did I do it? Yeah. Of course I did it. Of course. <laughs> and we did a sweepstake in the gym and no one thought I'd do it. And I did do it. So, yeah. So how did you get on in the competition? I got on all right. We didn't win the mo- I didn't win the money. No. Um, it, I don't want to say it was a contrived show, but they did a few things where they can speed yeah. things up and slow things down. The, but I think... All sort of primetime Saturday TV is manufactured, isn't it, you know? Probably. Yeah. I think there's probably a few things, like with Total Wipeout, obviously, it is down to some skill. I watch yeah. um, Ninja Warrior now. And I've seen that, yeah. fantastic skill, yeah. such good skill. Everyone keeps yeah. saying, go on there, and I'm... The original version of that, it's, it's not a British show. They, we have our version, but it's a Japanese show, Yeah, of course it, it is, yeah. yeah, that one, but... Um, I love it. I mm. think it's a great. I think it's a great show, and I think you have to be really super fit to go on. They have celebrities that compete in the normal competition, so famous sports athletes, TV presenters, all sorts of people want to have a go at it, don't they? That's right. Yeah. Well, that, that was the same as Total Wipeout in the day. That everyone wanted to have a go on the course, but you could never have a go unless you'd been on the show. Yeah. So I was so happy that I'd been on, and then I came back, and then it was viewed to be. It was meant to be aired that week that uh, I came back and it was meant to be on TV. And then they called me up and said, we want you to come out and do another show. And I said, is there another 10 grand up for grabs? And they said, yeah. And I went, right, okay, I'll go. (laughs) So I went back again for round number two. Um, But like you said, it was not so good the second time round because you'd done the course. Yeah. You then started trying to work out how to do it. And it was probably the worst thing to do. It was probably better just to do it and not have practiced at all. Yeah, sometimes you can overthink something. Correct, and yeah. that's what happens. So, As human beings, we generally overthink everything and then think of all the things that can go wrong. And then that, because we're anxious, ends up affecting our performance. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. Just overthought those red bulls. So the next stage in your journey, Francesca, you shoot your gym. Yep. And you moved again. Have you seen the film Chocolate? No. You haven't seen it. There's no. a woman in it and she always says, beautiful film, beautiful film. Johnny Depp's in it. All right. And this lady always says, I feel the north wind blowing. And it's set either in a French or an Italian village. And it's it's a beautiful film and, and this wind comes and each time she feels the wind, you see it in her face and then she moves to another village or another town. And she's she's moves around a lot. And yeah. I feel like you know when the north wind's blowing, when you feel it and you just think, Do you know what? Time to move. I'm yeah, I'm I'm one of those people. It's just time. I've done that very recently, but I'll get I will get to that, I'm sure. But um yeah, 
it was kind of like that. I thought, right, that's that chapter closed. Yeah. And Fresh this start. is a new a new chapter. So I, I moved, I seem to be moving more and more up north, but I went to Manchester to, uh, I worked briefly at a CrossFit box in Manchester. Yeah. Um, I got some personal training off one of the, uh, World Games athletes there. This um, is Sam Briggs, is it? Samantha Briggs, yeah. yeah. She yeah. was one of the first British females to go over there and kick everyone's butt. In she's the a States. tough mother Hubbard as well. Isn't she, she is absolutely yeah. nails. Yeah, yeah, she's nails. She's a lovely person as well. Really nice, um, and she's a phenomenal athlete. Again, the, a lot of the documentaries I've seen about CrossFit, and she's in some of them. Yeah, is that. It's not just about being the fittest, the strongest on the day and everything else. It's being able to continue in injury management because everybody's getting injured all the time Correct. and it's learning how to keep going. You know? So I've had um, two shoulder injuries. I've had an uh, operation on it, keyhole surgery, subacromial decompression on my shoulder from muscle-ups, teach yeah. self-taught muscle-ups. So I didn't have anyone to teach me because when I opened my box originally, it was probably one of the only 80 in the country, something like that at that time. But I was self-taught. So a lot of the things I did were, you know, badly, unfortunately. Yeah. You've learned the hard learned way. About, exactly. So, so yeah. I, that's how I give my knowledge across is, is, is we stop people getting injured. There's a couple of women that were right at the top of the game. I don't know if I've got the pronunciation right. Is it yeah. Sigmason? And there's two of them, isn't there? Both with the yeah. same surname. Thordis Dotter and Sigmason. And again, one of, the, one of those had injuries. She was going into a competition injured before she'd even started. Yeah. You know, going in. That it, it's, it's the nature of the beast, I think, with any sport. If you're going to do something that's at that level and it, it, it means that much to you and you're going to push that hard, probably going to get injured at some point or there will yeah. be harbouring an injury. I've watched Athlete A recently on Netflix, yes. um, which wasn't about injury. That's but there was isn't it? There was a gymnastic, gymnast on there who was hobbling, literally hobbling up to the vault and then sprinted down it and won gold. And then went onto her knees because she couldn't stand up and dragged yeah. herself off the mat. You know, it's it's you're going to be in that situation, unfortunately, I think, if you're going to push yourself to those limits and those extremes. Yeah. I was told by a surgeon many times, don't do anything else over your head on the shoulder. Don't do any more pulling or muscle-ups on the rings because your arm will basically fall off. And I went, I still went ahead and, and competed and won competitions. I went to... I had problems with my knees and I tore my ligaments, damaged my tendons, arthritis, all this. And I was told I needed initially one operation on each knee, followed by a second and a third operation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to walk properly for 12 months and I may have never really able to be, certainly not run and walk again. Mm -hmm. I completely ignored them and I started running. And my knees now are completely pain free and healed. There's no real explanation for that, but I, I genuinely believe that the body is a miraculous healing machine. And if you get this right, the operating system, yeah. everything else, take the tension out of the system, yeah. everything else can start to do what it's designed to do, which yeah. is heal, repair and grow. Yeah. And you can have two people that have cancer and one recovers yeah. and one person dies of cancer. Now, the body is capable of healing cancer. doesn't work for everybody. Certain people it doesn't, certain people it doesn't. And I think a massive part of that equation is stress and incorrect thought and negative thought, depression, yeah. things like this. Yeah. And yeah, so I healed. I healed. And now I can I can go and run for eight, ten hours or twenty-four hours, whatever, yeah. and I can run a long way. Yeah. 
So I was told, like you, not to do it. And I'm not advising anybody no. at home to Correct. ignore medical advice. Absolutely. But I did. That was my choice. Yeah, yeah. So, Francesca, now we're getting to the juicy bits. You're now competing yeah. in CrossFit competitions. Yeah. And you're in... You described it in the pre-show chat. Maybe explain it to everybody because you're in a team and it's a certain structure. It depends what competition it is, but this was a particularly big competition in the CrossFit world, I guess, called Strength in Depth or SID. Yeah. People call it SID, just abbreviate it. Um, but it's based in, in Bath and you go as a team of 12 and it's usually six boys, six girls, uh, five, five lads under the age of 40 and then a, a master's athlete. And yeah. then the same with the women and a master's athlete over 40, which was m- myself. I was right. the... So you were like the old biddy of the team. I was the old one, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this team, you, for a, over a period of a couple of years... You, yeah, three you, years. You won everything. We, we won, we won, yeah, three three years running, we won. France, Hungary, Cardiff. No, no, that, the strength and depth ones in Bath. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, that's the bath one. So that's once a year and that's it's got qualifiers. So you have to qualify to go. So obviously you do these competitions. Mm-hmm. So they'll send the team the workouts yeah. and they'll say, right, these are the workouts. Do it as a team as fast as you can or as heavy as you can or whatever the stimulus yeah. is. And then everyone will film their team doing the workout and then the fast, the top 20 and there'll be maybe five workouts the top 20 will go down to Bath or be invited down to Bath, which it, where it was hosted at that point, right. and compete against the other teams that well, have qualified. So you won this three years on the bounce? Yeah. Yeah. You said that, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, the team in the team at the time was a really good team. It's a bit like, you know, when you get Man United and they're winning everything. Yeah. Or Liverpool and they're winning everything. It's just at that time... The team was just fantastic and it just gelled and everyone was working towards the same goal with the same person in charge of that team and everyone believed in that yeah. leader. I'm always, I'm a firm believer of following that leader's advice and there's one person in charge and if everyone works with that leader and supports that person, then you're going to prosper. Yeah. Uh, when there's chinks in the armour, if, if someone's not believing in that goal... Yeah. You're never going to get, you're never going to dominate. So we dominated for that time because everyone was working towards the same goal and we were just so tight. Everybody's head's in the right space. Absolutely. You connect. It's just one of those things you can never contrive it. It's just a naturally occurring, it's just organic. Yeah. Everyone came together at the right time, smashed it year after year for the right amount of time and then... And then it just dispersed. So, yeah. but it was a fantastic time to be in that in that yeah. environment. Did you get medals or trophies? Yeah, or? we got money. We got money. Oh, we, you got paid. You get, as well. you get money. Yeah. yeah, you win money. We um we all won money, and uh, we got big trophies and things as a team. And yeah, yeah so um, I was still competing individually as well. Mm. You, you compete as a team or you can go in and compete individually or you can compete in a pair. That's what's so nice about it. Yeah. You don't have to just do it on your own. You can do it in teams of two and three. France, Hungary, Cardiff. What are these competitions? I did the French Throwdown, which yeah. was... This is individual then? This. Yeah, yes. so you can compete at the, at the French. I think they've done a couple of team events, but this was a, an individual. I went the, the first year I went... Um, to France, funded yeah. it myself. So I paid for my flights and everything and went over. 
and I came second, which I was devastated about, as you can imagine. <laughs> Most people would be delighted. I know, but, but yeah. I was just devastated that I came second because yeah. that isn't winning to me. That's yeah. coming second. And yeah. Was it a close margin? between? It was a really and, close yeah, match, that, yeah. but that, the, That's when it's frustrating. The problem yeah. was it was a swim. Mm. which is my problem. We'll talk about that as well in a yeah. bit. But my problem is water. So there was some water involved because it was at the INSEP in Paris, which is the where they, they have the fantastic facilities, but they're definitely going to put a swim in there because they have pool facilities. Yeah. So that's always going to come up. So it came up and that was my downfall because you really need in CrossFit to be in the top five of every workout to yeah. stay in that contentious range of getting on the podium. And... Uh, it was a swim. So. Well, maybe talk about that now. I in the pre-show chat said in that in Ironman the swims a two point four mile swim, and I clocked it on my you know my GPS watch, and I had actually swam two point seven something miles or two point eight miles because I didn't get in the mix because you get kicked and punched in the face, and if you're doing breaststroke you're under pressure. I couldn't do crawl. I never mastered it, and I'd left it too late to get it in time for the Ironman. So I swam round everybody. And I took my time. So I can swim a very long way, very slowly, or reasonably fast maybe for breaststroke, but certainly not crawl. And I, I sort of decided that it was willing to take longer to make sure, guarantee I get out of the water in one piece. With yourself, it's the same thing. It's, it's the swimming. That was my weak link. In CrossFit, you can't have a, afford to have a little... No. Gap in your armour, a chink in that armour. And that is my chink, unfortunately, the swim. I just don't seem to be able to float very well. No. So, um, And I'm very, very scared of it. Um, yeah. And that goes back to my brother, my older brother, he used yeah. to hold me under the water well, don't you, don't when you. I was a kid. Uh, so it's it goes back to that, it stems back to that. Um, and because I lived in a rural village as well, I used to cover me in hay bales and hold me under that as well. So I've got a real fear of claustrophobia and being yeah. held down. So when I get into water, I do fear, I'm fearful, like you said, of being around other people. Yeah. If I was on my own, I would think I'd be fine, but I just be fearful of other, other people being around me. I just figured I'd stick 20 minutes on my time and then I'm on the bike for seven hours and it didn't matter. There we go, there know, we go. Yeah. So I, 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 I actually, um, the first year I went, I was up against a girl that was fantastic at water polo. And she won the event yeah. um, over two days. The, the French is in a two-day event. So you do maybe four workouts on the on the Saturday. And you do one on the Sunday. And then they cut it to the next, say, top 10 athletes. Yeah, they trim and down all the time. Correct. Don't they? Yeah. And that's where it went. So I made the cut and I got through the swim wad. But unfortunately, they're called wads, by the way, workouts yeah. of the day. Um, so unfortunately, I came second. And that, that, that swim was what had it. So that wasn't good for me. No. So I f went back the next year and I, I won it the next year. So, oh, so you won? Yeah. You did? The oh, following year. Fantastic. The following year. And there yeah. was a swim in it. So I was really, really pleased with myself because... So you must have been extra good at everything else to pull back if, you know, you do the swim. Do you swim know what? Swimming to me, it's like... Some people say to me, how the hell do you do, you know, 100 pull-ups? all in one go, you know, mm -hmm. or try and do a hundred pull-ups without, you know, in big sets like you do. And I think, oh, I don't mind doing that. But when I swim across the one length of a pool, I literally feel like I've done a hundred pull-ups. It's just so taxing yeah. to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's so taxing. And I just think it's just different stimulus. I've just never trained swimming. Yeah. Have you never had any coaching? Nope, never. Oh. I, I, a guy tried once from, from the box in Wigan that I went to. Uh, yeah. his, his name's uh, Nick Aspie, and he's a really fantastic swimming coach. And he tried yeah. to coach me. And just before the French, actually. So I did get better, obviously, clearly. So thanks yeah. to that uh, well, guy. There's a guy called Don Wiley, and he's a member of Bolton Triathlon Club. Right. And he's coached me a few lessons. And he's also a GB athlete, competing at a high level. And he's fantastic. He gave me the confidence to, you know, move on with my swimming. I, I, I still couldn't do... The Ironman swim in Italian front crawl. Mm. I had to make the decision on the day, and I said, at least if I do it in breaststroke, I know I'm going to get out the water. Yeah. You know, once I got out the water on the day I did Ironman, I felt like I'd finished. Yeah, I'd, I'd still got another you know, ten to twelve hours to right. do, but you know, I was elated. I thought, well, if that's the swim done. I'm all right. Well, you know what? You've just reminded me because I actually did. I'm going back now. Unfortunately, I'm going back. So yeah. I went when I was at David Lloyd back before I even opened any of the gyms. I uh, when I thought I was super fit when I thought yeah. I was, I thought I'd do a triathlon with one of my best mates at the time. And uh, uh, Phil Randall's his name was, and he's passed away now, actually. Um, so, but yeah, we did a triathlon together. It was my first ever sprint triathlon. I was petrified, but I was the slowest at the pool. I got a nosebleed while I was doing it. I was last at the pool. But you know what? I didn't have to go past some people on the bike and then on the run. Yeah. So I made up. And I really enjoyed it, but it was the only ever triathlon I did. But it did spark my desire to start running then. And I went on to do quite a few great North runs with customers and yeah. with clients that were told never, ever to run. And we did the whole entire North run together, yeah. arm in arm. And we didn't stop running for it. So it just gave me a bit more. That was, that was I think, probably a bit of a... A bit of a, a, a preemptor to going into CrossFit, then that just sparked my interest for yeah. having little competitions to goals to achieve. It, it's funny how, as you go through life, things change. Because I was always about fighting, and then I was about size, and you know, on steroids and getting yeah. bigger. Then I got into triathlon, ultra running now. Yeah. But with the running, for me, a big part of it is I like doing stuff on my own. I do stuff in groups, but yeah. I really like having that time yeah and also i'm in nature because 95 percent of the running i do is in on trail up in the hills and stuff and best. woodland and the it's best. beautiful the best yeah yeah i feel at peace it's it's just as good if not better for me at the minute than meditation i go running and i'm fixed i agree you know completely, completely all my problems agree. are gone an hour in start focusing on my breath when i'm doing a endurance activity yeah and then all my problems disappear it's like somebody's combed all the knots out of my mind and yeah i'm in bliss you know. Do you know what the best thing to come out of COVID-19, I think, was couch to 5K? So many people had started running yeah. and going outside and running and just started to move, you know, because they had to, they wanted to. I always say this, when you can't do something, you want to do it. And then when you can, you, do, you don't want to. So it's Ooh, of course. that's yeah. what's happened. You can see it. But I've got so many clients that said, oh, I'm never going to run when they're having a personal training session with me. Yeah. And then they've texted me over lockdown and said, I'm doing coach to 5K and I'm yeah. so happy that they're doing it on their own. Well, a lot of, because a lot of the gyms were closed for Correct. a period. Yeah. You, if, if you're like me, I have to do exercise yeah. while I go, Coco, I need exactly. to exert myself, you know. I, I, I feel like then I'm one of those people that I just don't understand uh, how you, you can't want to do something active mm. every day. 
don't want to exert myself. Correct. And I, I, particularly of late when I've been running, I've been running up a lot of hills, mm. literally like six, seven miles uphill and then back down as steep as, steep as I can find. Yeah. And I run up and I get to the top and I feel like my lungs are going to burst. And yeah. I feel amazing. Yeah. I love it. Because you've done it. Yeah. You've achieved it. Yeah. It's the mental health side of things that is the big one. Massively. It's the big one. I always used to say years ago, there's loads of us at the gym and we've all got issues at the gym. Yeah. And then... As I got older, I realised why that was the case. And it was because people were trying to self-heal and without trying to use medication all the time. And they were, they'd probably trained and felt a bit better and thought, right, what's that? And I think that's the endorphin release. And I think I'm probably in that mix as well. I probably went there for that same yeah. reason, probably. I have looked into this and researched it and 75 mm. to 80% of all ultra runners have either had problems with addiction or mental health. And to be honest, and that actually covers most of the population anyway. Yeah. I think when people talk about mental health and they think somebody else has and they haven't, mm. at some point, all of us in our life either have a breakup of relationship, they have, uh, maybe they're not sleeping well and so that affects the mood, maybe bereavement, all of these things. We all have wobbles at some yeah. point in our life. We all, yeah. we all have periods of our life where we need a bit of help. Correct. Know, and I had to learn to ask for help, which is one of the hardest things I ever did yeah. when I said, you know, not coping very well, I need yeah. some help. Thank you.